so many podcasts that I've been listening to for years, especially when it's just like two people chatting about whatever the sub- the thing is. Mm. Over time, the like chat in the beginning, one of like so many of them actually, it's like half an hour <laughs> of guff before it gets to the thing, and I was like, wow, we would just we just could never. I feel bad when we're chatting shit for five minutes, and it's often still Les Mis related. <laughs> <laughs> We have some dignity. Yeah, they're like, wow, the audacity of I've had to skip tro <laughs> and I've passed the 30 minute mark and they're still not telling me about the ultimatum. Like, what is oh it? Oh my god. So, everyone could be grateful for that. <laughs> Welcome to Bread and Barricades, a Lamo's podcast. My name is Nemo Martin. I use they them pronouns. I'm your host and in two days time on friday i finally have my long-awaited fiver hopefully unless it gets cancelled again through no fault of my own which sounds like it made it sound like it was my fault but it wasn't anyway there were strikes there were lots of strikes basically a lot of my life hinges on (laughs) what happens on friday so tomorrow i'm going to legoland (laughs) with my brother we were, I was initially going to go down to Brighton to get a tattoo of Victor Hugo on my body, but that got cancelled. No! Everything is getting cancelled, so um, which has probably worked in my favour because I was kind of dreading having to stand for like three hours during my Viva with a really heavy dissertation in my hands mm. after having had a tattoo on my shoulder. That's so thrilling. Oh, by the time this comes out, You'd have hopefully have done it. Yeah. So people yeah. can't can't send their wow, remembering a really old one from this podcast, uh, love and crystal blessings. Oh from my god! Wow. Uh, a classic, a classic. Yeah. So well, um... well, you can still tweet that out and ask everyone to send the the Hugo vibes. <laughs> so next recording, we'll know if we'll know if I am yet to be a Doctor Chauvet. Uh, this is Stevie, she, they pronouns, your primary researcher. In like the opposite energy, I think, re-remembered how much Sudoku just unlocks that certain part of my of the like ADHD brain <laughs> where I can focus on Sudoku. Like I can focus on anything else in this on God screen There's just been a lot of like I'm like, uh oh, sat here gaming with my wife. She sat there playing the new Zelda for like three hours straight and I am not looking up from my Sudoku in that same amount of time so it's kind of like we're gaming together so that, that's, that's so excellent it's been fun for my brain <laughs> anything to not read Victor Hugo am I right ladies <laughs> cancelled cancelled immediately get off yeah no actually I got home and started reading immediately um, <laughs> with no like fucking around like I would usually do <laughs> because I knew that book nine where are they going chapter one is titled Jean Valjean so the bitch yeah. is back <laughs> bitch is back it's our boy here for not a good time and he's not here for a long time either <laughs> oh no oh, I forgot how I wanted to I was meant to open this one my name is Jean Valjean, and I wear coarse grey cotton trousers and a long peaked cap concealing my face, and a workman's jacket. I am calm and happy in regards to my daughter Cosette, but I'm full of anxieties of a different kind. I see police officers, and I put my middle finger up at them. <laughs> the filthy preps. So we are back with Jean Valjean. Yeah, and. 
Yeah, something about before Hugo getting into anything of what's going on with him, Hugo being like, and here's what he's wearing, just really unlocks <laughs> the uh, Maya Walker. <laughs> and he is happy and relaxed in regards to Gazette. He was disturbed for that like week or two, but like it's all kind of chill now. Mm. His new anxiety, and who he's really putting his middle finger up at, is that he just keeps seeing Tenardier around town. Mm. And it's been so often that he's like, oh god, like he's definitely prowling, and that's fr- like hushing his vibe a bit, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I only want one man to be stalking me at yeah. my home. Unfortunately, I have three. <laughs> but luckily, the aforementioned full look is keeping him disguised for now. So Tenardier hasn't recognized him. But then also, further concerns. Paris is so unsettled. Oh, weird. that's a weird thing to mention in this novel. <laughs> yeah, imagine. And that's just like a really bad time for people <laughs> who have, well, for everyone, but specifically if you already have something to hide. Because yeah. if you're feeling all anxious and uncertain, the police are even more like uneasy and suspicious. Mm. And then he says, while trying to track down a man like Pepin or Maury, which to me was just like, ah, French Pepin and Mary, (laughs) you might detect a man like Jean Valjean. Mm. Which makes sense. So for these reasons, he's anxious and fair enough. And then, to make matters even worse, Mm. some, we must assume, weirdo little (laughs) creep cretin <laughs> has scratched words <laughs> into Jean Valjean's wall. Uh, that couldn't have come back and bit Marius on the arse at all. <laughs> and it looks like it's probably been done with a rusty nail or something. He can see <laughs> the like chipped plaster. He knows it's happened recently in the night. And <laughs> like what are you meant? What? Why? Mar- what was he to think, Marius? You literally. I remember when he did it. It was only like two episodes ago, and we were all like, "Wow, unhinged!" And there was a second where I forgot that that was how sixteen Rue de la Vere appeared on Jean Valjean's walls. So when it was like, mm. "Oh my god, someone's scratched," <laughs> they were just like, "What is going on?" <laughs> So I got to be there with Jean Valjean where you're like, oh my god, what is happening on this day? Awful. Wild. So yeah, Jean Valjean's like, oh my god, and this must have happened in the night. What is this? An address? A signal for others? A warning to me personally, Jean Valjean? Hmm, yeah. He was like, either way, clearly this garden's been broken into and strangers have been here. And Mm. then he's like, oh, and I do remember like when that weird shit was going on with Cazette, but you know, he's, he's trying to put all the pieces together. He doesn't want to tell Cosette because he just doesn't want to freak her out. <laughs> yeah. What would, how would she even react if he was like, I've got something really concerning to show you, Cosette. Look at this. Ah. Uh, oh. Wow. Uh, that was me. I did that because I really needed to write something down. But you know, the old uh, dresses don't have pockets, so um, just had to. Who boy, scratch it into the wall. 
a really normal thing to do. Yeah. You wouldn't know this, Papa, but all the convent girls did this. It's kind of like a meme. So no worries there. <laughs> I feel like actually she'd be really good at lying. So she would have sold that. Yeah, she would have. So all of this to say, <laughs> Jean Valjean's just like, I fucking had it. We're going. Mm. We're not even just leaving Paris. Paris. <laughs> Okay. We're not leaving Paris. We're leaving France altogether. And we're going to England, so shit must be dire. Yeah, for anyone to come across these treacherous seas. So he's just been sat on the slope, <laughs> on the Champ de Mars, just like turning mm. all of these things in his head. He's like, oh, Thenardier, the police, you can say Javert. <laughs> The wall, the journey, the difficulty of getting a passport. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. And while he's ruminating, he notices a shadow cast by the sun that reveals that someone's come to a halt on the crest of the slope behind him. Mm. And just as he's thinking, I'm going to turn around, a piece of paper folded in four falls on his knees as if someone (laughs) had literally just been like lurking over him and dropped it. Uh, That's creepy. He opens it and then penciled capital letters, move house. Oh my god. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Yeah. And he leaps up and he's looking around, but there's no one around. He can kind of see in the distance some sort of bigger than a child, smaller than a man, and a shirt and velveteen trousers scrambling away. So he just goes straight home and is mm. like, Oh, I've got a lot to think about. Yeah, I hate that. It also kind of has the energy of the um, that post on Tumblr of like, oh, I had a crush on someone in school and didn't know how to deal with it, so just left them a note that was like, get out of my school. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, I know that it's... And I knew as soon as it happened, you're like, there's probably Ethidine. Uh-huh. But, like, how much funnier if it was Javert. <laughs> yeah, that would be hilarious. That's what oh really should God. have happened when they were both living in that same house for a bit there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. You could still make that comic, Nemo. <laughs> be right back. Um, definitely paying attention to you for the next 45 minutes. <laughs> so there's just, like, a lot, like... It's all going on for Jean Valjean. <laughs> and then, unfortunately, chapter the second, we're back with Marius. Mm. So, as we had left him last time, he's left Monsieur Guillaume's house, and he's feeling pretty devastated. Yeah. He's gone in with, like, a little bit of hope, and is leaving an immense despair. And despite the fact that Guillaume had been like, oh, well... That girl has probably like had a bit of a thing with Theodore. Mm. This is not casting any shadow on his mind, on Marius's mind. Mm. Like that's not made him feel like jealous or anything like that. And then Hugo says, and I had to go on a thought journey for this one. <laughs> it's like what would be gained in drama would be lost in the truth. Marius was at the age when you believe nothing bad about a person. So I was like, uh, 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 um, uh, uh, is Ethany not a person? Um, 
Is Tenardier not a person? Um, oh my god, wow. Wow. So, <laughs> you know, when I was like, does he, what must one assume he means, like, nothing bad about your person? The person you're into? Because he thought bad things so many times. Yeah. But no, I, no, I think it's just Hugo being fucking Hugo, right? And being like, my Blorbo could never, despite having literally just. I'm pretty sure, like, when her fucking skirt blew up and he was, yeah. like, filled with incandescent rage. Yeah. Well, he's aged, like, three months since then, so he's a completely new person. And, um, yeah. I guess no, but he's of... like, oh, so that kind of thing, like, later comes the age when you believe everything. So, like, right now he's young, so you wouldn't think bad about anyone. But later, so you're like, he's not going to have suspicions. Mm. Later in life is when you become suspicious of the person you're into. Right. But, like, I have to assume that he means about the person that you're into, first love. Because, like, yeah, yeah that... He just he just lied straight to our face, Victor Hugo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't remember the wording. No, yeah, because before with the skirt thing, he very much was like, "How dare she?" Yeah, in public. Did that but not I... count because they weren't together yet? <sighs> yeah, maybe. And now he wholeheartedly believes in her, like, and that believes in their relationship to such a point where, like, it would be unfeasible f- for her to start lying mm. yeah i guess so tenuous Hugo. Yes. you're Sus- on thin ice <laughs> suspect Cosette. there are countless crimes marius would more readily have committed and i'm sure he will yeah. <laughs> and i'm sure he has defacing yeah. public property and private <laughs> property <laughs> trespass <laughs> yeah oh my god yeah the most obvious one so He's just been loose, wandering the streets. Something to which those who suffer are prone. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. He thought of nothing that he could later remember. It's only at two o'clock in the morning that he goes back to Kufarak's place and just, like, fully dressed, falls asleep (laughs) on the mattress. (laughs) And then he wakes up when the sun is shining and... Kufarak, Enjolas, Fuli, and Combefer are just standing around in the room with their hats on, <laughs> and they're all like ready to leave the house. And the fucking boy just uncurling himself from his sleep. <laughs> and Kufarak's like, "So you coming to General Lamarck's funeral?" Oh my god! <laughs> and it was as if Kufarak was speaking to him in Chinese. It's not like so they all leave, and it's not yeah. until like ages after that he's like. Okay, getting up, putting these pistols that Javert gave me into my pockets. Mm. Who could say why? I don't know for myself. They're still loaded. Mm. <laughs> I'm just taking them with me. And then he just goes back outside to roam aimlessly. So I was like desperately trying to like play the movie in my head. Yeah. <laughs> while this is happening, because I was like, this doesn't seem to add up to what I remember from. Mm-mm. Um, it, un- unlike movie, it doesn't go immediately from Lamarck's funeral into, ah, we're building the barricade. But they <laughs> clearly know it's just to like, expedite the story, but Marius yeah. sure is there the whole time. Like He's a little 
boy who gives a shit about any of this. Yeah, oh, literally, yeah, very much so. Very frustrating. He's he was handing out those little pamphlets in the street, wasn't he? When he yeah. first met Cosette, and you're like, this boy actually couldn't be less <laughs> of yep. a little revolutionary boy. I can't believe he gets counted as one. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. he's just wandering around. Who even knows what's going on to him? He's like, he, he picks up a roll for one sou and it's in his pocket and he just forgets about it. Apparently he bathed in the, the Seine without being aware of it. He's just like completely disassociating right now. Um, that bread roll, by the way, is like one of my favorite characters. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pay more attention to the bread roll. And yeah, I don't know. I, I, uh, yeah, it, it, exciting times for that okay. bread roll coming up. <laughs> There's a real relationship. Underline the role to really show how important it's going to be. I was maybe not even going to mention it, but I'm glad I did. (laughs) I'm glad you did. Yeah, me too. Um, Also, a side caveat to say that one line about Kufrak may well have been speaking Chinese has uh, a featured line in my thesis where I'm like, um, nobody ever makes um, Kufarak an East Asian person despite uh, this line being like, he he could have been speaking Chinese. Like, not that only Chinese people speak Chinese, but, you know. Why not? Yeah. um, Yeah. But that's not a common headcanon, so. Not yet. (laughs) (laughs) Busting onto the scene, what, however, (laughs) hundreds of years late? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I'm also finding it really funny that Andreas and who else was it? It was Andreas, Kufarek. Fuli. Yeah. And Combefer. So it's yeah. like the expected ones, and then you're like, oh, and Fuli was there. <laughs> Fuli is the leader of the. Re- He's actually the leader of the revolution. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's kind of funny that they all like meet up at Kufarek's house for like brunch before they go to the funeral. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what we would all be doing. (laughs) That's how we know they're gay boys. Yeah. (laughs) If we didn't Um, before this point. And what you need to coordinate out this. Yeah, that's literally what I was about to say. (laughs) I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're all putting their little harnesses on. Um, yeah. there's like six full length mirrors along all of the walls. Um, there's Kufrak's house is the one that's chosen because it's got the most natural lighting. Mm-hmm. Um, so very good for a photo insta moment. Yeah, well, like there's so many pluses. Like the minus is that Marius is a sea <laughs> in the background of the pictures. In that very like, because <laughs> he looks like a state. He only came in at two a.m. <laughs> like in our uh, Lamarck's funeral fits. Living our best life, ready for revolution. Is Marius okay? This isn't about him. (laughs) (laughs) And like someone thirsty being like, who's he? And everyone being like, degenerate, do not. (laughs) XXXXX. Not even worth your questions. (laughs) Red flag, red flag, red flag. (laughs) Yeah, because now he's just, like, he's up, but wandering around with pistols that, Javert, you should have... Yeah, taking those back actually no he couldn't have taken them off him because he never showed up at the Javert's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> been like going back every single day and just standing in front of the doors like my god this boy left he stole my pistols from me where is the fic where it's literally like 
instead of the canon events. <laughs> or that oh, that's why Javert shows up at the barricade. <laughs> he's been hunting down his property and like Jean Valjean is ready to square up and be like, Oh god, you followed me here, I knew he would come and he's like, This isn't about you right now. <laughs> There's a wor- bigger cat fish to catch. <laughs> There's the a leader wor- of the Tenardier <laughs> gang is right there. He stole my pistols before, like, um, leading me on, uh, pretending like there was a, a thing. And then Jean yeah. Valjean could be like, oh, this stupid little boy is also trying to steal my daughter. <laughs> I hate him too. And that's, it's actually only at that point that they're like, oh. In love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Valjean's like, I, I hate prison and I think it should be abolished, but if you could put Marius in there That's for the like... Take away. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually Jean Valjean right there. Yeah, I know that he's very young, but... Um, um, uh... As you know, Jean Valjean looks great for his age. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... Marius, alias Jean Valjean. <laughs> no, he doesn't deserve to pretend to have the name. No. Yeah, he's just been like floating around, waiting until nine o'clock, because that's when he can see Tazette. He's like, oh yeah, that'll be the ultimate happiness. Followed swiftly by darkness, because I guess she's going, but you know. <laughs> um, and as he's been wandering around these deserted boulevards of Paris, how strange, not worth noting. <laughs> seems to be some strange noises but uh he does raise his head and it's like hmm are people fighting huh anyway <laughs> hits nine o'clock as he'd promised Cosette he's at the Rupa and as soon as he approaches the gate he forgets everything else yeah he's not seen Cosette for 48 hours after all so he's filled with intense joy again and he's like shifting the railing, getting into the garden and he's like, okay, because that's not where she's usually waiting. But I'll just crawl through these bushes into an alcove by some steps. She'll be waiting for me there, he thinks, and she's not there. Mm. And he looks up and the shutters of the house were closed. Mm. The shutters that are above were... The wall has been scored into. Surely has nothing to do with anything. That move. Walking around the garden. Garden's deserted. Goes back to the house. And by now he's crazed with love. Delirious, terror-stricken. In a frenzy of grief and anxiety. Like a master who returns home at a late hour. Banging on the shutters. Uh, And he's banging and banging. And... The risk of Cosette's father's grim face appearing before him and being like, what the fuck are you doing here? Is nothing compared to like the fear that she's not there. So where that used to be his like number one fear, now he's like, it's worth the risk. And he starts shouting her name and there's no reply. Mm. It was all over. No one in the garden, no one in the house. Mm fixes his desperate eyes on that dismal house as dark and silent as a tomb and even emptier. Yeah, he's just like, well, since Cosette's gone, there's nothing left for me but to die. (laughs) When, luckily for him, he hears a voice that seems to come from the street, calling over the trees. It's like, Monsieur Marius! Mm. Huh? (laughs) (laughs) Monsieur Marius, are you there? (laughs) Yeah. 
Monsieur Marius, your friends are expecting you at the barricade. Oh my god. So I was like, oh, at the barricade. So he truly wasn't at any like at any yep. of it. Oh yeah. None of 100%. it. None of it. He It happened. He, his PR team were on <laughs> the making of the musical. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, so unbelievable. And he gets the fucking like glory at the end of it. Ugh. Wild. I really can't wild. believe they let him in fix, I guess if your fix are only based on the musical, he gets to be a little, little revolutionary boy. <laughs> yeah, he's been to like two meetings, one of which, the no, one meeting, he went to the first meeting and was like so cringe that they laughed him out and then <laughs> he's been walking around. And then the musical, he's like, oh, I'm the leader of the revolution. It's like, no. <laughs> he was literally shamed out of the meeting <laughs> for his cringe male ideology. <laughs> I can't believe it <laughs> so I was like okay here's gonna be where you know they're going to the funeral and he'll join that and then he'll be like well this is what I have to live for yeah. not even nope 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 the uh, the voice kind of sounded like Eponine rough and husky <gasps> but um, when he runs to the gate he saw someone who Looked to him like a young man running off and disappearing into the twilight. Hmm. So who could that be who sounds just like Eponine? <laughs> and he's that... now wearing trousers, so could not be Eponine. Be anyone. This fucking last chapter. Ugh. Monsieur Mabouf. Yeah. Oh, don't get excited though. <laughs> no, I know why it's uh, I know what's coming. That's why I was excited. <laughs> it's all of my finally laid plans. Oh, you little cretin. <laughs> so, Jean Valjean's purse did Monsieur Le Mabouf no good because in his childlike austerity, he hadn't accepted the gift from the night sky. He... So the purse that Gavroche had stolen off of Montparnasse. Montparnasse. He had been given it by Jean Valjean to get his life in order. He'd taken it to the local police station as a lost article. <laughs> so it did no one any good. Fuck the police. No one's gone to pick it up, of course. Yeah. So his life has just continued to decline. Yeah. It's just like bad scenes. Yeah. Marius is over there thinking that the world is fucking ending. Yeah. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. Monsieur Mabouf's experience with Lince with Indigo are not successful. And he owed his housekeeper wages last year, and now he owes a year's rent. He'd have had to pawn the plates of his flora uh like book slash manuscript that he was working mm. on. And some coppersmith that just like melted them down into cooking pots. So they're uh, gone. <laughs> so he can't even complete copies of his flora anymore. Yeah. So he had to sell the incomplete copies and the printing plates to a, a secondhand dealer just as like, oh, here's some little ottomans. So he basically made nothing off of those. So yeah. nothing remains of his life's work. Yeah. And the little money made from that is running out already. So he's basically just like given up on his garden and let that grow wild to like, I don't know, pathetic, not pathetic fallacy, but like 
as a metaphor for his life, I guess. Mm. Mm. And he was already barely eating, which was like two eggs and like a morsel of beef. They'd only have from time to time. He's just been eating bread and potatoes. And he sold all his furniture, including the bedding and the blankets and his herbariums and his prints. Mm. He still has his most precious books, like a handful of them. And the only bit of furniture he's kept is the glass windowed cupboard so that he can like at least admire those. Mm. And he's not even lighting a fire in his room. And he's going to bed early so he doesn't need to light candles. <laughs> very, um, I mean, uh, I know poverty looks very similar for many people, but the candles thing was very Fontaine. Yeah. Um, it's been a while since we've yeah. thought about her, but... Yeah. Doing her sewing in the dark. And his neighbours are avoiding him, and he's aware of this, because the wretchedness of a child is a concern of, to a mother. The wretchedness mm. of a young man of a concern to a young girl. Mm. Fucking Marius. <laughs> the wretchedness of an old man is a concern to no one. <laughs> <laughs> so... But he's still not entirely lost his childlike serenity because whenever he gets to look at his books and he loves so much, yeah, that brings a smile to his face still. Yeah. And then one day, Mayor Plutarch said to him, I've got no money to buy dinner. And he's like, what about on credit? <laughs> She's like, <laughs> ah, they're not going to give us that anymore. Yeah. So he opens his bookcase and he gazes at his books <laughs> like a father forced to sacrifice one of his children would gaze on them before making a choice yeah grabs one and then just quickly leaves and when he comes back two hours later there's no book but he's got 30 sous that he can put on the table to be like get something for dinner that's so little and that was when mayor plutarch saw a dark veil that was never to lift again come down over the old man's guileless <laughs> face no it's so sad Oh, and that every day he's got to do the same thing. He goes out with one of his beloved books and he comes back with a little bit of money. And the book dealers know how desperate he is. So they're giving him like a handful of sous for things that he's spent 20 francs for. Uh... Sometimes in the same bookshop. His sadness increases. One day, though, there was one thing to be happy about. He'd So he'd gone out with a book that he sold for 35 sous and then he returned with a book he bought for 40 sous and was like, I owe five sous. <laughs> and then he went out for dinner. So I was like, oh, well, sometimes you do just need, you just need to get a thing to make your life fucking worth living. And I'm glad yeah. he's going to go celebrate that. But yeah. so the dinner, he belongs to the horticultural society. Mm. And they all know what's going on there and how treasured it is. So the president of the society came to see him and was like, I'm going to talk to the Minister of Agriculture about you because this is just bumming us all out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And the minister's like, oh, of course. Yes, an elderly scholar, a botanist, a harmless old man. Something must be done for him. So... Monsieur Mabeuf had got his invitation to dinner and he's trembling with joy and he's like, oh, we're saved to Mem Plutarch. 
goes to the minister's house and he's in his ragged cravat and his big loose fitting coat and the ushers are like what the fuck <laughs> no one speaks to him not even the minister and it gets to 10 p.m and still no one spoke to him and he could hear the minister's wife being like who is that old man mm. so he just goes home on foot at midnight in the pouring rain and he'd had to sell a book to pay for his cab to go there. So oh it was like, <laughs> and his his like new habit to give him anything yeah. is reading a few pages of his Diogenes Laetius, Le- one mm-hmm. of his books, every night before bed. He had now no other pleasure. Several weeks went by. Mayor Plutarch falls ill. Mm. So one evening the doctor prescribes a really expensive uh, potion. The illness is worsening, which means she needs to be nursed. Mm. Monsieur Mabouf opened his bookcase. There was nothing inside it. The last volume was gone. All he had left was the Diogenes Letius. Yeah. So he puts that under his arm and out he goes. <laughs> it was the 4th of June, 1832. <laughs> And he came comes home with one hundred francs. Wow. So he put the into put the coins into five piles? The pile of five franc coins. Okay, no, so it's all in five franc coins. Mm. On the old serving woman's bedside table and returned to his room without saying anything. The next day at the crack of dawn he sits in his garden, not moving, his head bowed, his eyes staring vaguely at the flower beds. It just like is raining off and on. He's not. Mm. He doesn't even seem to notice. In the afternoon, there's an extraordinary noise in Paris, like gunshots and the shouting of a multitude. So he finally reacts to that, and a passing gardener is going by with a shovel on his shot with a spade on his shoulder. And he's like, "What is going on? They're rioting. What? <laughs> rioting? <laughs> yes, the people are fighting. What are they fighting about?" Well, you might ask them. Hmm. Whereabouts? Over by the arsenal. So Mabuff went back into the house, got his hat, automatically looks for a book to put under his arm, but there are none. So he's like, well, of course. And he just sets off in a daze. <laughs> so I'm really worried about this Mabuff going to where the fighting's happening. Mm. Oh. Oh. Why did you make me care about <laughs> anyone? <laughs> You're so horrible. <laughs> you don't care about me at all. Um, and I knew you were so you you were so happy that I felt strongly about my buff. So I knew that it wasn't ending well because anytime <laughs> I love a character, they die. Yeah, but it's mm. so. so Sad, the sad old man. We love ourselves, the uh, sad old man. <laughs> just use the money. Yeah. Use the money to get you, your housekeeper, Gavroche, and um, uh, Montparnasse. You could all have had. You could have had oh, it all. Yeah, that would be a really. That would be a nice house. Fucked up little family. No. Yeah grandparents and their two weird grandchildren yeah and then it becomes just like overrun with children as Gavroche brings more and more of his family yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
Unfortunately, it's June 4th. <laughs> I know, so it's just gonna... I was like, oh, so this is where the book just bums me out for the whole rest of the run, I guess. Yeah, yeah, uh... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what I could try and break your heart with. Because obviously I'm going to want revenge for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh... This is what you get for caring about anything or anyone. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I've had to carry this burden for so long, caring about my buff. And nobody nobody writes fic about him. Uh. Nobody cares about him, Stevie. <laughs> I'm out here by myself, <laughs> loving this old Mr. Beef. Yeah. Well, I also meant, like, this is what I get for caring about you. Oh, <laughs> Oh, um. I, I feel I could, well, I don't know. I won't know until it happens, but I feel like this is going to sad me out more than anybody else's death. <laughs> hey, who's to say that he's going to die? Maybe he has a no, good No, I've got to start pre-morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I should have forced you to do the... Um... The list of people in order of who you thought were going to die earlier because I, I kind of forgot that this um, was going to be preempted uh-huh. now. I did think that we had a little bit more time, but um, I, didn't, yeah, so. I didn't even think he was going to come up again. Yeah, I know. So when I saw his name, I was like, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and then everything was so horrible. But, and, but it was when I was like, but he'd not yet lost his childlike joy and sincerity that was like no ah, he's gonna lose it <laughs> yeah i feel like when the last time we had a mabuff episode you said something like and that's a wrap on mabuff and i was like mm, yeah <laughs> i wish it had been a wrap on mabuff <laughs> oh. so yeah uh beginning of next episode we're gonna start with a um kill count <laughs> oh yeah you-, you have to remind me before we start but I'm yeah. just gonna be writing everyone. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the order of how you how you place oh, them. Oh yeah, I think the is... order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't um... feel good about Fooly anymore now that he showed up in uh Cooper X Lounge. <laughs> <laughs> the the kill box, as it were. <laughs> I can't the audacity actually like now's not the time but like the preemptive like the audacity of Victor Hugo to save Marius like yeah oh oh 100% <laughs> like I know we're, we're gonna get there and we'll say it every single episode and we've yeah. said we've said it before but like yeah I I honestly thought he was at least gonna have a little like oh Matt because the reason I couldn't come to your house when I said that I would is because this other thing is happening and I have to be with my boys. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's not. No way. Hose before bros, my friend. <laughs> God. Cause and No, you you say, you say, and then I'll keep going. <laughs> in the musical, my okay, every time it gets to empty chairs and empty tables, right? Kind of jumping the gun a little bit, right? But one of his lyrics is, um, don't ask me what your sacrifice was for. And I'm like, don't ask him because he wasn't at any of the fucking meetings. He doesn't know what the sacrifice was. <laughs> now, I can't believe also the audacity. So this is just going to be every episode from now on. It's going to be like, I'm another thing. Victor Hugo, because Enjolas wouldn't have done this. 
Mm. Like, this was Victor Hugo the same way that it was not Jean Valjean who was like, this woman isn't a virgin. <laughs> that was Victor Hugo. Yeah. It was not Enjolas who's like, I want to trust Marius with this one job. I can't trust you, Grantaire. Mm. That you're like, sure, maybe you can't trust Grantaire, but in what <laughs> universe? Yeah. Like, you didn't show... And you didn't even tell <laughs> that Marius was good at this fucking revolutionary boy bit. So, mm. like, in what world? There was times... <laughs> now this is just... This is it for the rest of the episode. There were times, you know, when I, like... Now it must have been, like, two years ago, or... I don't know. <laughs> Somebody roll the tapes! When was it that I was, like, flirting with reading some of the fics because I wanted to understand, but I hadn't got to any of the, like, book meat of the stuff? Hmm... There were some fics where Enjolas was real harsh about Marius. And I was Uh like, yeah, I get it. But this is quite harsh. And now I'm like, they didn't go far enough. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't have enough casual, just like, this fucking guy. Like, there was ones where he was like, this fucking guy. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, wow, this is kind of... Didn't expect this in the fix. I can't believe there's not more. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, shows up, cringe fails once, and then, and then, and then, like, that's it. That's it. Don't ask me what your sacrifice is for. <laughs> Fuck me. Oh my God, it makes me so angry. What was our sacrifice for then? <laughs> That's what the brunch was about. They're all like um, sitting around Kufarek's table and they're like, oh my God, it's going to be so funny when Marius wakes up like in 20 minutes and is like joining us on like the day of the revolution because he's like, you know, actually going to join us now because obviously like now's clutch and they just watch him for like four hours and they're like, any moment he's going to wake up. Ooh, he's going to wake up any second now and it's gonna be so funny because he's gonna have to learn all of the stuff we've been preparing for the last <laughs> <Yeah>. two years <laughs> he's not even gonna know what we're going for or who Lamarck is yeah yeah and then he wakes up and they're like so you're coming yeah. right <laughs> right like the thing that we've been doing you know that this whole thing the only reason you know that you have a house so a roof over your head no? This Bring is... Lamarck? No? <laughs> this is when, like, sure, Combefer hasn't loved this. In fact, has not had any time for it. Yeah. But loves Kufarak, who's like, no, but his drama's so funny and it's really been heating up. And he's like, okay, fine. This is when he was like, yeah. I'm out. Uh-huh. <laughs> he just walked out. That's yeah. the order of, of events. He was the first one to just be like, no. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know this boy's name anymore. It's completely wiped out of my head. Marius yeah. whom. Like <laughs> And Kufrak's the one being like, and you're coming, right? And when it was the sun silence, it was like, Oh, I've really brought this in. Like yeah. this is actually reflecting really badly on me right now and I'm yeah. embarrassed too. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that Kufrak goes one step further, which is like, it's fine if you embarrass me, but my god man. Like, you are embarrassing yourself to levels you don't even understand. <laughs> You're embarrassing Paris. <laughs> the house is yours now. Yeah. I, I 
I know you'll keep coming back here, so I've got to go elsewhere. <laughs> Don't wait up for me, Marius. Oh. And then he can't. And then he don't. (laughs) 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 Oh, I hope that... I can't remember their name again. The person who got us recording again. (laughs) We were going to do it. We were going to do it. But he was like, are you going to get to the revolutionary bit? I hope this is everything that you hoped it would be. Because this is what it's going to be. And it was actually one episode after as well. We fully stopped before getting to the rebellion. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's the rebellion. Um, Marius. <laughs> and the more sad I am about my birth, the angrier Marius I get. Because <laughs> it is his fault. It all, it's all just feeding into each other. Yeah. What? Yeah. So it's going to be his fault that Mabuff dies too? I'm ready to believe it. I don't know that that's what you're implying, but I believe it. I'm going to believe that for the next week until proven otherwise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm so glad. You know, you, you were you were pretty... You didn't like Marius, but now you don't like Marius. And I'm like, <laughs> <Yes>. finally. <laughs> I've been on the Kufarek journey where you're like, no, but it's funny. Let him stay on the couch. <laughs> yeah. And I've been confair this entire time, like, he needs to go. Yeah. He needs to go. He you needs don't, to go. You can't see the future like I can, and he <laughs> needs to go. Cumberfair, yeah, you're right. Cumberfair knew. Like, you knew because you've read this before, but, like... <laughs> <laughs> and me and Kufareka are like, oh my god, get out of my house! <laughs> like, literally went from, like, it, no, it, it's fine to, like... Friendship over. It's done. Yeah, 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 yeah. You just needed that one thing to push you over yep. the edge. Yep. Oh god. And it was in tandem with Mabuff. Ah. <laughs> it was genuinely the most emotion I've heard in you for such a long time. <laughs> oh, if you could see the like actual pose of man in despair, like head on fist, <laughs> stare at floor. It's just bad. <laughs> anyway, it's over. <laughs> um, just like this podcast is for this episode? Question mark. Yeah, see, just that was a transition. Yeah. Okay. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> I usually don't get to transition very well, so um, thanks for for that lead in. Um, this is being Brad and Barricades, a lamers podcast. Um, finally, finally, oh, all of my dreams are coming true. <laughs> You love Javert, you love Mabeuf, haha, you hate Marius, and where else can we go from here? Oh, so many places. Anyway, um, it was Captain's Collection Podcast, it was produced by me, Nima Martin, and Gillian Yap. Uh, if you have any comments, questions, or quibbles, like, um, I don't know, if you've never read the book before, what order you think the, uh, Amir gonna die in before we get to that? Tweet <laughs> um, Yeah, and a fun bonus, not just the Amir, anyone in the book that you think maybe, uh, might come under the firing line, <laughs> um, you can send us an email, lamospodcast at gmail.com, or on Twitter, at lamospodcast, or on Tumblr, at Bread and Barricades. You can rate our podcast on Spotify or on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And in that, you can also tell us um, top five Mabuff moments, um, like when he was selling all his books and uh, when he was selling all his books. And uh, yeah, our audio designer is Jade. 
who you can find on her website, jdwasabi.com, or on her bandcamp, jdwasabi.bandcamp.com. Oh, funny story, she managed to get a job the other day because of the theme tune of this podcast. So, yeah! Um, it's that good, you should go and download it from her website and give her money for it. Like Mabuf selling his books. Um, you can also give us money, like Mabuf selling our books, um, by donating to our Kofi or Patreon. Both of the links are in the description. Thank you for listening to this podcast. That's the end. <laughs> I can't I can't audioly get across the face I'm pulling. <laughs> but it's real unhappy. <laughs> My smile is I know. I can feel your glee. I'm only <laughs> making you stronger. This this has been really helpful, actually. I just needed this like little <laughs> bit of um, energy to push me into my viva, so I can like really mm, tasty, tasty, so that I can use it as a weapon, stab the examiners. <laughs> well, in that case, fine. I won't get revenge on you for this week. <laughs> but all bets are off for next time. <laughs>